0: Testing the mic. You down there, Chris? Is it okay? Thank you. Praise the Lord. As we continue looking at spiritual warfare, I intend to answer that question, as I said to the children, who begot who? And that's going to reveal spiritual truth. And with this message, I hope to show you five things, five distinct things. No matter what happens in this life, the battle is the Lord's, and we all need to know that. The battle is the Lord's. You were chosen by Almighty God to obey Christ, to be purified by His blood, become sanctified by His Spirit we have a living dynamic hope. This is the third point. We have a living dynamic hope through Christ's resurrection from the dead. This is what gives us hope. He came back from the grave, and because He lives, we get to live forever. And the fourth thing is that we live each day in hopeful expectation of an inheritance that can't be destroyed, it can't be corrupted, and it can't be It won't fade away, excuse me. And we're guarded by God's power through faith for salvation that's ready to be revealed in the end of time. God's salvation is ready to be revealed. That's what His Word says. We're going to start by looking at the first chapter of 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 1 through 5. 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 1 through 5. And yours truly has got to find it because I forgot to mark it. That doesn't give me confidence in myself when I forget things. But praise the Lord, He's in control. And I can't even get my fingers to work right here. Somebody help me. Thank you. I was close. There we go. All right. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. Written by Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace be multiplied. Blessing be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to the living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. It's 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 a lot of words to describe what Peter's saying. He's speaking to people that are Jews, they're Jewish people, they're Hebrews, they were dispersed amongst the Gentile nations, and He's speaking to them. But it applies also to us, because we are believers. All right? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, that You have us here in this room today to hear from Your Word. And so, Lord, I lift myself up to you and I surrender fully to you. I ask that you would take a hold of me, give me unction to speak. (sighs) Help me, Lord God, to do everything and say everything to your glory. I pray you keep me from misspeaking. And I pray, Lord God, that you would open our ears to hear and our eyes to see. And I pray this in Christ's name and all of God's people said, Amen. In his greeting, Peter identifies himself and also the one he serves, his boss, we might think of in today's terms. You know, in the in the uh the times of King James they wrote the, the Lord. In these days we would say the boss, okay? And so he identifies himself and his boss. He says, Peter and Jesus Christ, Yahashua, Mashiach or Hamashiach. And he comments on the foreknowledge of Almighty God who chose people to be purified. God, in his foreknowledge, chose his people. And his chosen people turned their back on him. And so then he said, go out into the highways and byways. Go out and find everybody. Bring them all in. Bring them all in. And he talks about the purification. It's a process that we call sanctification. And it begins with Christ. He alone was sinless. And this is something that some people won't accept. There are some people who call themselves followers of Christ who believe they are sinless. And yet James tells us that if we say we're without sin, we're liars. We're liars, we're sinners. And we need to walk in the path of Christ. We need to emulate Christ. We need to follow Christ. We need to aim for that sinless perfection. This is what God's Word teaches us. And Peter tells us that this is the process that we're in, being purified. It's performed. That purification is performed on believers by the Holy Spirit. And it's for the purpose of bringing us to the point of absolute obedience to Almighty God and to His will. Complete surrender to the will of Almighty God brings about the state of being, which is characteristic purification, or what we call holiness. And the scripture calls it that too. Those that Peter calls Elector, they, they're covered by the blood of Christ. We're sheltered, we're protected while being brought into submission to the will of God. He protects us, he shelters us, he keeps us safe. And that's why it's important for us to recognize that we are his. We're begotten of him, and he teaches us to conform to Christ. We're not born conforming to Christ. See how children misbehave, for example... Not picking on any of the children here. Don't get me wrong. Believers were chosen according to the purpose of God the Father. We're made holy people by the Spirit, by His Spirit. And we're to obey Christ and be purified by His blood. And the transformation is not our work. It's His work in us and on us. We can't take credit for it. We can praise Him for it. And this is important. There are some who say, we do the work, and therefore we can take the credit. He does the work, and he gets the credit. And when we look at that third verse, it makes a proclamation and a promise. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which, according to His abundant mercy, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's His work very plainly very clearly written in the scripture that it's his work he has begotten us we bless him we see that first part of the sentence which continues through verses 4 and 5 blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ it's a statement of praise it's thankfulness and it's worship oh, all in one little statement blessed be the god and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and notice that Peter gives us in advance of stating the benefits that we have received from God. We praise God first and that we're thanking Him for those benefits that He's provided. It's proper to praise Him. It's proper to thank Him. It's proper to worship Him above and beyond anything else. And too often, we don't. Because we think of ourselves, and we do that, not intentionally maybe, it's just by default. It's, it's our flesh, it's our nature as human beings. And Peter gives that praise and that thanks and that worship to God because God alone deserves it. In His great mercy, God has begotten us. He's brought us to new life. We have been born again by His Spirit. Beget means to bring a child into existence, to make offspring. And God has made us His children, and that is born out in Scripture. I want you to think about that for a moment, okay? God has begotten us to new life. God did the work. It's written in John chapter 1, and verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Truth is very important in our walk as followers. We may not walk in error. Once we've been corrected, we may not walk in error without consequences. There are always consequences, and I'm living proof. I know from personal experience. God brought me into His fold, his family, a long time ago. And I walked away. And I have consequences of that walking away. I live with them to this day, okay? And I know that it's his will that I would stand before you and confess that, because each of us need to know he can use us to his glory if we surrender and yield to him. Adam sinned. And so when we look at this, we see when the Word was made flesh, it was important because Christ became the second Adam. In 1 John chapter 5 and and, uh, the beginning of verse 1, it says, "...whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God." We're born of God because we believe that He sent His only begotten Son into the world, so that whoever would believe on Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And we've been born again. It's written in 1 Peter chapter 1 in verse 23, just a little further from where we read in our opening text. We've been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed. Incorruptible. Born again by the Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. God's Word. There's no end to God's Word, okay? And we're born again by His Word. Adam sinned, and after that, his offspring were corruptible seed. And this is why, when we look back at the birth of Christ, we see that He was born of a virgin. He did not come from a man. God made that happen, and therefore He was not of man in that sense. So he was not of corruptible seed. This is how we see he was incorruptible. He was not born of a man. And therefore, he alone is sin-free. And whenever I encounter people who believe they are sinless, I only have to point it out for a moment, and what I usually see is that they become furious and they sin in my presence. We had somebody do that to our son, our son Nathan. Nathan said, no, we all sin. And the woman grabbed him, stuck her fingernails in his arms, she shook him, and she said, we do not sin, as she sinned. Now, I don't say that to condemn her. I trust that the Lord has her in His presence. She was 90 years old or so at that time. But she really believed that doctrine. And there are people that have come and gone out of this congregation that believe that doctrine. And whenever I point it out to them, they usually leave. It's unfortunate, but that's the reality. The truth is we are in sinful flesh, and therefore there are times when we misstep. We might say something that we would prefer not to say. We may do something that we would prefer not to do. These things happen. We need to turn from them to God Tell Him we're sorry, and He forgives us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And this is a daily process. This is what the Holy Spirit prompts us to do. God, I erred. Please take that error away. And He does. But there are those who say, well, I can sin tomorrow, and He'll forgive me then. And I'll sin the next day, and He'll forgive me then. It's an accurate statement to say He'll forgive us if we turn from it. We need to have repentant hearts, but there are many who don't have repentant hearts, and all of us need to. We need to live in that glory of God because He's cleansed us from all unrighteousness. I remember the first time that I realized that. I was about 14 years old. I had just been confirmed, and the very man that did that ceremony of confirmation. He was the one that choked me, (laughs) chased me out of the church. But I knew at that moment that I had been cleansed. I knew that I'd been filled with the Holy Spirit. I knew it was absolute. It was certain to me. It wasn't guesswork. And if you're not certain, you can be. I can assure you of that. God's Word says so. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. We're spiritual beings. We're reborn spiritually in Christ by God's grace through faith. We place our faith in Him, and we are forgiven because He's the living Word of Almighty God. And it's written in 1 John chapter 4, and verse 9, "...in this was manifested the love of God toward us." Because God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. You see, we have new life. We've been born again by the Spirit of God through our faith in Christ and the work that He did. We're begotten by faith in Christ's work through God's love and mercy. And anybody who preaches anything less than the love of God is not preaching the full gospel. Anybody who preaches anything less than the mercy of God is not preaching the full gospel. God's mercy is there for all. And we sing that old hymn, there's room at the cross for you. And it means everyone. Whosoever will may come. He will forgive. We simply need to ask. And it doesn't require you walking down to the front of the building here, but you're welcome to do that if that helps you. People make a public proclamation. I'm sorry, God. I made a mistake. I erred. I sinned. And it's hard for us because the whole world tells us that we're not sinners that we're good people, that we're okay, that God loves us just the way we are. Even the church preaches that message today. But God doesn't love sin. In fact, He says in His Word that He hates the workers of iniquity. And so we are, as His children, to turn to Him. Turn to Him and ask for forgiveness. It's simple. You can do it in the privacy of your own home. You can do it in any room in your house. It doesn't matter where you're at. God, I'm sorry. I messed up. I don't want to do this anymore. Help me not to do it. And when you ask Him for His help, He gives it. He gives it. Christ was begotten of God to take away the sins of the world. That is the benefit that we receive as children of God. Our sins are forgiven. Our sins are washed away. And our night is turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Filled my soul when at the cross the Savior made me whole, made me whole. My sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Our sins are washed away. When we're begotten of the Father, we're cleansed of all unrighteousness. And this is how we receive His protection. This is how we receive what He offers. It's by His work. And in fact, 1 John chapter 4 and verse 10 relates, Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son To be the propitiation for our sins. Now that's a big word, propitiation. It essentially means that He appeased the wrath of God that was coming toward us. He appeased the wrath of God. We were due that wrath. He soothed the wrath of God that was aimed at us because of our sins, which were many. If we've ever told a lie, it makes us a liar if we've ever stolen anything, even a little thing, and only once makes us a thief. He doesn't want us to be liars. He doesn't want us to be thieves. He said, if you look on somebody with with the idea in your mind that you want that, you're coveting. And also, when it's another person, then you're committing adultery in your heart or fornication, depending on the circumstances, if you're married or not. And so that makes us sinners, even in our hearts. So we sin by thought, we sin by word, and we sin with our actions, thought, word, and deed, as it's put. And yet He takes away our sin because we're children. He loves us, and He wants us to have His forgiveness, but we have to ask Him for it. He doesn't just throw it out there and say, okay, it's yours. Go on and sin it up. And I've heard preachers say that. He doesn't do that. By placing our faith in the Son, we become begotten of the Father. We are begotten of the Father. Who begot who? He begot us through faith in Christ. He is the one that did the work. Not me, not you. And His Word makes that clear. He changed us from dead in sin to new life as His children. He changed us. Now, He owns us the same as the owner of a cat or a dog becomes the owner of the kittens or the puppies. He owns us because we are born of Him through Christ. It's spiritual. Excuse me, it's spiritual. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20, it's written, For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In other words, live your life as if you actually are His child. Live as if you are children of God. Glorify Him in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. God owns us. We are bought with a price, okay? And just in case you don't believe it, we have the testimony of a second witness, which is also in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 23. You are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. In other words, don't give in to the flesh. Don't give in, because if you are man, remember, God made them, male and female, made he them. Mankind, okay? If you are a slave to the flesh, whether it's yours or somebody else's, you're making yourself a slave of men. And God says, don't do that, all right? right? The next part there in verse 3, we're still on verse 3, we had those five verses, in verse 3 in our passage, it tells us that we were begotten to a lively or living hope, a lively or living hope. And this is not the result of something, as I have said, that we do. It's not something that we do or have done. It's by Christ's resurrection from the dead can we give God a praise for the resurrection of Christ? Because we have life. Because He lives, we live. That's the thing. That's what matters, okay? When we recognize it's His work that brought us to be children of God, we have new life because of Him. <coughs> uh, excuse me. We have new life because of Him, by like Christ's resurrection. And this is part of why we celebrate as followers of Christ. It's why we gather together. We remind ourselves, because the whole world is telling us, you've got nothing, okay? But we remind ourselves through the Word of God and fellowship with one another that we do have life, and that life is everlasting. It's living hope that we have. We've been given that living hope by coming into the family of God, Christ's family. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, we find an absolute truth regarding God's begotten. Okay? I want you to hear what it's written there. Paul wrote it. Okay? We're begotten of God, and our inheritance is reserved in heaven. It can never perish. It can never spoil. It can never fade. Our inheritance is already there. We're aiming for it. That's where we're heading, to that inheritance, okay? Now, who would want to give up an inheritance? Anybody? Raise your hand. I don't see anybody raising their hand. No, we have an inheritance. It's an eternal, everlasting inheritance, and it comes from God. It's by God. It's through God. It's through Christ, who is our Lord, or if we use a modern term, our boss. He's the one that tells us what to do. We follow His commands. He's the superior officer. He's the supreme in command. That's what the word Lord means. Our inheritance as begotten of God is reserved in heaven. In Romans chapter 8, in verses 15 through 17, Paul plainly expresses this. Listen to what's written there. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit of adoption. We've been adopted as children of God. We've been adopted. We've been brought into His family. But you have received the Spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. And we like to skip over that part. He suffered in the flesh. And it doesn't mean we're not going to. In fact, he says, it looks like you're going to. And we may be the last generation to live before Christ returns. We may actually see that happen, folks, And it might mean that we've got some battles ahead of us. It might mean we've got some troubles. It might mean, I I dare to say, suffering. We might have some suffering to deal with. And you know, the majority, the big majority of the church says, you don't have any suffering. You get it all here. You get your best life now. That's not what the Scripture says. That is not at all what the Scripture says. It's very clear. But at the same time, we know that our Father protects us. He tells us so. He keeps us. He keeps us for that inheritance that we're going to receive. He protects us, okay? In Galatians chapter 3, it's written, for you're not the children, excuse me, ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. In other words, there's no more of this dividing line. And one of the unfortunate things that happened during the Reformation 500 or so years ago is that they put that line in place. They divided the body of Christ, Jews and non-Jews. And they said, the church replaced the Jews. That's not what he says. We don't replace them. There's no more. We are all one in Christ. You're all one. You're all children of God. You are all the elect of God. You have been brought into His family by the work of Christ. You are saints, according to the scriptures. Now, he tells us to go out and live that way. Now, we may have an idea of what a saint is in our mind. We need to be that person. We need to be that person who is aiming to be like Christ. We are Christ-like. We are Christians. Christ-like. Hear what else he says there. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. In other words, no distinction. There's no, okay, I'm higher than you because of this. The Jews thought they were higher than the Gentiles because they were Jews, and we were not. He says, no, you're equal. There's no male and female. You're equal. That's what he says. This is God's Word. There's no bond or free. In other words, there's no slaves or or free people. You're all equal because you're owned by Almighty God. You are His children, and yet He also owns you because He bought and paid for you. And it's hard for us to comprehend. Sometimes it's hard for us to wrap our mind around that. What do you mean, I'm owned? Nobody owns me. I'm a free man. Well, uh, on this land you may be for a while, but in the eyes of God, you're bought and paid for. You're owned by Him. You're one of His children you're all one, he goes on to say, you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed. And we looked at that last week. Remember Abraham, 100 years old, God gave him a son. Sarah, 90 years old, they both laughed when God told them, you're going to have a baby. Yeah, right, sure. Yeah. Now, because of Christ, we are Abraham's seed and heirs, heirs, you hear that word? heirs according to the promise. The fact that we are children of God means that we receive what He promised. He promised, that He's not going to break His promise as long as we are His children. And what are the marks of His children? We're growing in likeness to Christ. We're begotten of God and heirs of God. But what is that inheritance? It's incorruptible. And that means immortal when it's not decaying. It's undefiled. It means pure and unsoiled. It does not fade, which means it is perpetual. It is certain. Our inheritance, these are the ideas about our inheritance. It is certain. It's actually there. And it is reserved. Anybody ever make a reservation for anything? Yeah, you guys can raise your hands. I have made reservations. You make a reservation, and it's there for you. And if it's not, they've got to accommodate you, right? Because they made a promise to you. Well, if God makes a promise, He says it's there for you, it's there for you, okay? It's not going away. It is not going away. It's reserved in heaven, which means it's kept, it's guarded, and it's watched over. It is there. Okay. Don't let anybody think that somehow that what your inheritance is, you're not going to receive if you get there. That's what His Word shows. And how could anybody become apostate under those circumstances? God promises an inheritance. You simply need to get there. From here to there is a path. It's called the way of Christ. And we're to walk that way. It's a narrow way. We're to stay on that path. If we step off the path, we're to step back on. And how do we get back on the path? God Himself helps us through His Holy Spirit, the Helper. He helps us stay on that path so that we will walk that straight and narrow path that He's laid out. And sometimes that means denying this very thing that we live in, which is called the flesh. We need to walk away from those things that take us off the path. This is the cause of most human suffering. So people step off the path. There's also outside forces that come in to bear upon you. But that's the biggest problem: flesh. Verse four ends with "reserved in heaven for you," and verse five begins with "who are kept by the power of God." Now, whoever put that division in there, they did it wrong. I've just got to call it out like it is. It's a sa- It's the same thought should be together. Okay? It should be together. Those two go together, and so we read, Reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God. Reserved, your inheritance is reserved in heaven for you who are kept, kept, protected, kept by the power of God. You are kept by the power of God. If you are in a battle, and all of us who are believers are, if you're in a battle, how is it for you to think for a moment that you are protected, that you're kept by the power of God, Almighty God, who has all power. He has all authority. Think about that. The inheritance that we're going to receive when we get there comes to us from God through Christ. Almighty God keeps us by His power through His Holy Spirit, through faith in Him. God's power is expressed in our lives through His Spirit, who is purifying, or we could use that other word, sanctifying us to obedience. He wants obedient children. Who here has children that wants them to be disobedient? Raise your hand. Anybody? You want disobedient children? God will give them to you. Oh, yes, He will. Now, we want obedient children, right? And so does God. He wants us to be obedient children. And so the process of sanctification or purification brings us into that place where we are obedient to God always. We want to obey Him. We seek to obey Him. We are led to obey Him. We follow Christ who obeyed Him. It's God's power that's expressed in our lives through His Spirit. We must understand that this begins with repentance. Yes, there is a call for repentance. The scripture's full of that call. And it comes through our yielding to the Spirit of grace. We yield. And I liken it to when God called me back to ministry, I did not want to serve. There was no way that I wanted to serve. I had met too many hypocrites in my life, and I did not want to serve. I didn't. I did not want to be in a pulpit. I did not want to preach His Word. I'm not here because I get something for it other than I know by obedience to Him that I'm right where He wants me to be. I do this because He wants me to do it, and I don't want to do it for any other reason, and I don't want anybody to do anything in their life except to be in obedience to Almighty God. And I liken that idea of surrendering and yielding to throwing yourself on the ground, okay? It's an act of worship. Putting yourself down on the ground and saying, God, you take the wheel, you drive. And that was what I did. I said, here, you take the wheel. You drive because I keep wrecking and I don't want to wreck anymore. I'm tired of wrecking my life. He took the wheel. And a little while later, I took it back and I wrecked again. And the next time that I threw myself literally physically onto the ground and I said, God, you take the wheel. Lock me in the trunk because I do not want to have a chance to grab it back. I want you to drive my life. I want you to be in control. And that's what I want all of you to have. I want you to have that idea of absolute surrender where you turn your life over to Him and you say, you have your way. You have your will. You do what you want with me because I'm your creation. I'm your child. I want to obey you and you alone. Because the enemy of souls wants to take you out of that. He doesn't want you to obey God. He wants to trick you out of obedience. That's what he did to Eve. And Eve led Adam out of it. And if we simply learn to obey him, that's the best place for us to be. There's no other way than to trust and obey. We sing those old hymns, and they have so much meaning. They have so much gospel in them. He wants us to love him like he loves us. And when we love him that way, we can't go wrong. We don't go wrong. We follow on his path, and it's a narrow one. It's difficult. He never said it's going to be easy. But he says if you stay on that path, you get to your inheritance. And who doesn't want that inheritance? It's everlasting life. Life everlasting. There is nothing better Nothing, absolutely nothing better than having life everlasting. We don't even know what it means completely. We don't get a full picture of it in the Scriptures. The Scriptures don't tell us what it means. It doesn't give us the whole picture. We just know that it's forever. And there's a lot of beauty that's described in the Scriptures, but it's not the full picture. The living act of Spirit of Almighty God gives us opportunities to exercise our faith and thereby strengthen it. We have His tools. The battle is the Lord's. We have to remember. Thank you, Lord. The word rendered, okay? We must understand this begins with repentance, comes through our yielding to the Spirit of grace, and the word, (coughs) excuse me, the word rendered kept. We're kept. We are kept. In verse 5, it comes from the Greek word phureo, which means to protect by watching and guarding, to preserve one for something. God keeps us and protects us for that inheritance that He's laid aside, that He has kept for us. He keeps the inheritance for us, and He keeps us for that inheritance. He provides the Holy Spirit as our helper. He tells us that. He supplies the tools that enable us to remain strong. He tells us that. And these tools are His Word. These tools. One of the tools is our fellowship with one another. That's one of the tools. Fasting and prayer, those are tools that God uses. And communion with Christ. We do that once a month, sometimes more often, but usually once a month. And the faith that we have grows in relationship to the extent in which we exercise it. If we exercise our faith, it gets stronger, and God will give you opportunities to exercise your faith. Just when you think things are insurmountable, just when you think that you can't get by, just when you think the enemy has tempted you beyond your ability to resist anymore, God puts forth His Spirit. The enemy wants us to believe that we can't get through it, but as children of God, we're kept by Him. We simply need to turn to Him. (laughs) <laughs> it's like, okay, there's a rainstorm. You got an umbrella. Do you open it or not? Yeah, it's simple. It really is that simple. Oh, I see the clouds. Oh, I felt a drop. Poof. Pop up the umbrella. You got some protection, right? But if you just carry that umbrella beside you, yeah, I got God with me. Oh yeah, I got my umbrella. You're getting drenched. <laughs> okay. Not going to work if you're not tapping in, if you're not using what God has given you. He's not, he's not giving you the spirit of fear. Don't be afraid. Turn to Him. God help me. Simple prayer. I pray it in my sleep, my wife tells me. And that faith that we have is living faith. It's active faith. Because the Spirit of Almighty God gives us the ability to strengthen that faith. It's living and active That strengthens it. Sometimes the exercises that God gives us are very difficult. But it's when we get into these kinds of times that we need to turn to Him, draw near to Him. We need to turn our hearts to Him. We need to repent to Him. I want you to remember the important points of this message, okay? First and foremost, I want you to remember that no matter what this life on earth throws at you, the battle is the Lord's. And I remember when this first hit me. It was many years ago, and I was looking at uh, David and Goliath. And David said, the battle is the Lord's. And I thought, why didn't I ever get that before? It's not my battle. See, if you take it personally, you can get offended. And there's lots of people that do. They get offended. Don't take it personal. God loves you. He wants the best for you. He wants to take care of you. You simply need to turn to Him. He's almighty. He's all-powerful. He's all knowing and he's eternal. He's everlasting. He's never going to end. So there's no exhausting of God's protection for you. Just turn to him. No matter what it is. Whether it's a little tiny thing or something that seems completely out of your ability to deal with it. Turn to him. Turn to him. Turn to him and thank him. Thank him. Give him praise. Worship Him. You see, that was the thing that Peter did first, right? He thanked God. He praised God. He worshiped God. And this is what we need to do. The same thing. God, I thank you. I praise you. I worship you. You are Almighty. I am not. Help me with this. He's all powerful. And it's written in 2 Chronicles, chapter 20, verse 15, thus Saith the Lord unto you, be 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 this is a statement of being. He tells us to be not afraid. Be not afraid. Now the modern translations of the Bible say, Do not be afraid. But this is a positive, it's not a negative. He says, be something and that being is not afraid. Well, how could you possibly be not afraid when you see the world falling apart all around us? How could you be not afraid? Well, you've got the Father, and the Father has you. If you're in Christ, you're protected. And that doesn't mean physically all the time. Sometimes the physical body breaks down. And I can tell you, folks, I live with pain, and so I know... When somebody says, I'm in a lot of pain, Pastor, I I can say honestly that I understand because I live with it. Consequences of my life of sin. I came out of that, but I still have the consequences. There are some people who like to think, well, when God heals you, He heals you of everything. Well, sometimes He says, no, you're going to live with that. So you remember me because I know how you are. Yeah, I know. You know how I am. Thank you, Lord. Thus saith the Lord, be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. Okay, so we're outnumbered. And in the world that we're living in today, I think Christianity is outnumbered. Christians are outnumbered. We are outnumbered. True followers of Christ, I'll say. Not Christianity in general, but true followers of Christ. We are outnumbered. We're outnumbered. And so we need to remember to turn to Him, because the battle's His. The battle is His. He's almighty, He's all-powerful, He's all-knowing, He's eternal. And, you know, whenever this passage of Scripture was written in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the, the passage goes on to say, For the battle is not yours, but God's. It's not your battle. Don't take it personal. It's God's battle. You're getting picked on because you're one of His children. Now, how many times have anybody here ever had one of their children picked on because they were their children? I have. I gave you one example. The devil wanted to take my children and turn them away from Christ. We do not sin! And I said, God, you know what? I remember why I ran from you. I did. I was angry. How dare somebody hurt one of my children? Do you think God doesn't get upset whenever the enemy hurts his children? You better believe He does. And He's reserved eternal punishment for those who hurt His children. God told King Jehoshaphat, when God's people faced a huge army of enemies, be not afraid, neither be dismayed by this large multitude, this huge multitude, this multitude Be not dismayed. But then we see as we read on in that text that Almighty God turned the enemies against themselves. They killed themselves. And ultimately, that's what we're going to see. God's going to use our enemies against themselves to bring victory to His people. But not, not to teach you to think that maybe somehow you're going to escape. Because you may not, folks. You've just got to be prepared for that. You may not. I want you to remember also that you were chosen according to the purpose of God the Father to obey Christ and be purified by His blood and become sanctified by His Spirit. You were chosen by God. Okay? You were chosen by God. He wants you to be His children. He wants you to trust Him in all things. He wants you to rely upon Him the way that maybe once you relied upon your parents. He wants you to rely upon Him for everything. Turn to Him. And you turn and rely upon Him through His helper, the Holy Spirit. He gave us the helper. Christ said when He left, He said, Look, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm going to send you the helper. He's going to help you. But you've got to rely on Him. you got to ask for help. He's not going to do He's a gentleman. He's not going to step in and say, okay, I got this. You say, help me, please. Here. And he says, I got this. You hand it over. Don't take it back, though. She says, I've taken it back. I know. I'm not not just telling you to do something that I haven't done. I've done it. I know. I've been there. There There's no sin that any of you have committed that I haven't committed. I know that might put me down, and I hope it does put me down in your eyes. I am human. But God has chosen me to speak to you, okay, and to give you some benefit from the experiences that I've had in my life so that you can understand. He can use you, too. You're, you're not such a great sinner that God can't take you and use you to His glory somehow. He will use you. You just got to turn to Him. He will protect you. You just got to turn to Him. He will help you. You just have to turn to Him. And think about this, okay? Okay. The third thing I want you to remember, to give thanks to Almighty God for His mercy upon your soul. Thank Him for that. Thank Him. Thank Him for His mercy. Thank Him. He has begotten you into new life by His resurrection of Christ from the dead. You've been begotten to new life. You have new life, and it will last forever. Now, when we're on this side of eternity, it's hard for us to imagine what that even means. But I'm telling you, hold on. Hold on. Don't let go. Don't let the world crush you out of His presence. Don't let the enemy of souls trick you into thinking that somehow you can go on living contrary to God and still end up with Him. It's not His Word. Battle spiritual. I want you to remember nothing can destroy, nothing can destroy the inheritance that Almighty God has kept for those who are in Christ. It's like the ark, okay? He's the ark of the covenant. And think about Noah's ark. Noah's ark was a big ship, okay? Those who were in the ship were kept safe. They received the inheritance, a new earth. Flooded out. They had to start over. But they received that inheritance when they got there. It was reserved for them. And I want you to remember that you're being watched and guarded to preserve you to receive your inheritance. The battle's spiritual. The enemy's scheming to lure you away from Christ. And this is impossible, though. It's impossible when you yield to the Spirit of Almighty God. He can't take you away. He can't lure you away. He can't guide you away from Almighty God and the inheritance that God has laid up for you in heaven if... If you rely on God, you keep your eyes on God, the Spirit of Almighty God, if you yield to Him, He'll guide you to God. He's not going to guide you astray. He's not going to take you into trouble that's going to take you away from God. That's not going to happen. He strengthens you against the enemy. And as I wrap this up, I want you to always remember, always, I want this to be driven in your mind, the battle is The Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Say it with me very loud. The battle is the Lord's. The battle's the Lord's. It's not yours. Don't take it personal. Don't take ownership of it. Let it go. It's yours, God. This is your battle. Help me get through it. No matter what's being thrown at you. No matter what's happening to you. Let it go. It's His battle. He's simply going to use you and to strengthen your faith and keep you on His path to go in His direction where He wants you to end up with His inheritance that He's kept for you. Almighty God, recreated you out of darkness. And I know that's not a pleasant message, but it's the truth. We were dead in sin, and He brought us to new life. And He wants us to live in His eternal kingdom with Him and His holy angels for all of eternity. The victories in the cross and the resurrection of Christ. And I want you to live in that victory. Live in it and tell somebody else. Share the good news. God so loved the world that He brought His only begotten Son into the world that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. And the question is, do you believe? Do you believe? Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to remember that the battle is yours. It's not ours. It is so, we are often tempted to believe that it's our battle and somehow we have to do something. And yes, Lord, we know that we participate in that battle. We know that you want us to. We know, Lord, that you have us on this planet to do your will in your way. And I ask, dear God, that you would strengthen each and every one of us to remember that it's your will to be done. It's your way. Help us, Lord, to let go of all of those things that are keeping us from being strengthened in the power of your might that we would be your people, that we would be your children, that we would walk in the glory that you provide. Dear God, I ask that you would help each and every one of us as we see these dark clouds storming over our country and also over this world. God, help us. Help us, Lord. We need your help. Help us to remember to turn to You. Help us to remember to ask You. Help us, Father, to walk in the power of Your Spirit. I ask that You would pour Your Spirit down upon each and every one within the sound of my voice, that we would be strengthened in the power of Your might, and we would walk along Your path, and we would let go of everything, everything and anything that gets between us and You. I pray all of this in Christ's mighty and majestic name, and all of God's people said, Amen.